Good morning, this is your old friend Robert Stack, reminding you that you're listening to KSVY 91.3 FM. The following show, Jeff's Joint, is being sponsored today by a fine thing. El Segundo Tuna, Rico, Youngblood, and myself, we all enjoy a good businessman's lunch at the local diner. We always ask for El Segundo Tuna. Be an American, go out and buy some tuna. El Segundo Tuna is always 100% American fished. And it comes in a pouch and a can. And from every pouch to every can, or something like that, it's good for you. So take no other than that, punk. Get off your hophead ways and start eating tuna. Be an American. God almighty. Excuse me. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. Hello. 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 Turn on that radio and back here. Good morning. This is Jeff's Joint, and I am Jeff Gilbert for the next two hours as we explore the great American songbook and all that goes with it. The great big bands, the great singers, and, of course, the great composers and the arrangers. It's three minutes past 11, and welcome to Jeff's Joint. I will be with you, as I said, for the first half hour. We're going to celebrate San Francisco's Knob Hill, where many a great orchestra played up at the old Mark Hopkins Hotel in the Peacock Court in the Venetian Room of San Francisco's Fairmont Hotel. We will be hearing some bands, and we opened up with Mr. Griff Williams, who was always at the Peacock Court many a year, and his great orchestra and piano, bearing a slight resemblance to Fred Astaire. He did a little bit of a dance routine 
once in a great while on the bandstand, leaving the piano and doing a little muffed-up Fred Astaire thing. But what a great band he had. Elegance at its finest in San Francisco in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Mr. Ernie Heckscher worked until the 1980s in the Venetian Room, backing up many of the great acts that played through there. And today, we are going to be on Knob Hill for the first half hour, and we'll continue with Griff Williams and his band with a great little thing, The Lady is a Tramp, written, of course, by the late, great Cole Porter.
From Knob Hill, from the Peacock Court of the Mark Hopkins Hotel, Griff Williams and his orchestra in stereophonic sound. One of the last things that he did before his death in the 1950s. And after that, Mr. Ernie Heckscher, who had been playing at the Fairmont Hotel since about 1947 or 48, on a regular basis going into the 1980s, took that job of being the society band leader of San Francisco, playing at the Menlo Circus Club down in Menlo Park, and also the Burlingame Country Club, did all the great parties for all the Fortune 500 people, or the, the 400 as they used to call them. Here it is, uh, Jeff's Joint, and we're going to take a trip across the street now to the Fairmont Hotel. Speaking of Ernie Heckscher and his Fairmont Hotel Orchestra, one of the great bands of San Francisco and an elegant guy and a wonderful guy as well who retired up in Oakmont and uh, passed away a... Many summers ago, but uh, not that long ago, but what a great guy he was, such a gentleman. And I can't say enough about Ernie Heckscher because I met him a few times and he was just lovely every time. Just a wonderful guy. Someone you'd want to be your grandfather. Anyway, uh, here he is with his band with a tune that was co-written by Mr. Matty Matlock. Shangri-La. Ooh. <laughs>
Ernie Heckscher, his orchestra and piano from the Venetian Room of the Fairmont Hotel. One of the fine piano players, and we were lucky enough to have him here in San Francisco for all those great years. When I drove limousine, I would uh, have downtime, and I would always park out in the front of the Fairmont Hotel and sneak in to the Venetian Room because the head waiter, I can't remember his name right now, but he got to know me, and he would let me go in there, and then finally I would get to know Ernie and uh, stand around in the corners and listen and watch that great piano pianist. He was just one of the the greatest. He was up there with Eddie Duchin, Joe Reichman, Nat Brandwin, all the big ones. Anyway, this is Jeff Gilbert here in Jeff's Joint at 23 minutes past the hour. And Ernie Heckscher backed up all those great acts that came through the Venetian Room starting back in the 1940s when they had big name acts like Jimmy Durante, Nat King Cole. And speaking of Nat King Cole, we have a couple up here that were first introduced by Bing Crosby. The first song, Sunday, Monday, or Always will be uh, Ralph Carmichael's orchestra backing up Mr. Nat King Cole. And that came from a movie called Dixie that starred Bing Crosby, Dorothy L'Amour, Marjorie Reynolds, Eddie Foy Jr., and Lynn Overman. Look for it today. I'm sure you will not find it. A lot of blackface numbers in that film. Johnny Burke and Jimmy Van Heusen. Not politically incorrect the song, but anyway, here it is by Mr. Nat King Cole, one of San Francisco's favorite entertainers at the Venetian Room. No need to tell me now what makes the world go round When at the sight of you my heart begins to pound and pound So won't you tell me when we will meet again Sunday, Monday Are always If you're satisfied I'll be at your side Sunday, Monday Are always no need to tell me now what makes the world round. When at the sight of you, my heart begins to pound and pound. And what am I to do? Can I be with you? Sunday, Monday are always Sunday, Monday are
as the years come and go. Only forever If you care to know Would I grant all your wishes And be proud of the task Only forever If someone should ask How long would it take me To be near if you beckon Offhand I would figure Less than a second Do you think I'll remember How you looked when you smiled Only forever That's putting it mild How long would it take me To be near if you beckon Offhand I would figure Less than a second Do you think I'll remember How you looked when you smiled Only forever That's putting it mild. The great Nat King Cole with Ralph Carmichael and his orchestra with a tune that was written by Johnny Burke and Mr. James V. Monaco for a film called Rhythm on the River in 1940 that starred Bing Crosby and Mary Martin, who he sang that to in the film. Nat King Cole's version of Only Forever, and we'd like to dedicate that to Max and Lynn Hale, two great people that are here in town and have been around town for a long time. And they should have an award here as uh, some of the uh, what, uh, allocate or something like that. Anyway, anyway, there you go. Only forever. And before that, we heard Sunday, Monday, or Always, Ralph Carmichael with Johnny Burke and Jimmy Van Heusen's tune from the movie Dixie that also starred Bing Crosby and Dorothy L'Amour, who he kind of sang that to. I think he sang it to uh, Marjorie Reynolds, who was also in Holiday Inn. Now I'm turning into Ronald Reagan. But anyway, this is Jess Joint, and we are now going to go back to 1942, to the golden age of radio with Hal Perry. 
The Great Gildersleeve, which was a spinoff of the Fibber McGee and Molly show that we played last week. You heard an installment of that if you were listening. And this week we have the Gildersleeve's Thanksgiving show from November of 1942. So we hope you enjoy that for the next half hour, and we'll be back at the top of the hour to begin your afternoon with more music from the Great American Songbook. Right here in Jeff's Joint. Take it away, El Segundo Quartet. KSVY Sonoma. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton. We'll hear from The Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. You know, these days it's pretty difficult to get the variety of foods you used to get. That's why you should make the plentiful foods you can get as appetizing as possible. Now, one easy economical way to make foods taste better is to use delicious parquet margarine at the table and for cooking, too. First of all, of course, parquet margarine is a perfectly delicious spread for bread or toast or rolls. And next, parquet margarine is a tasty seasoning for potatoes and all hot vegetables. Parquet margarine makes cookies and pastries taste better, too, because it's a real flavor shortening, not bland and tasteless as some shortenings are. And lastly, you'll find parquet adds tempting extra flavor to pan-fried foods. Yes, you can make everyday foods taste better when you use parquet. Remember, too, it's a nourishing energy food that contains vitamin A. So ask your dealer tomorrow for wholesome, economical parquet. P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet margarine made by Kraft. Let's get on to the great Gildersleeve, who's been putting in a busy Saturday morning down at the water department, trying to clear his desk of all the odds and ends that have piled up there. As we join him now, we find him almost down to the blotter and feeling pretty good about it. Action, yes, action. That's the keynote today, Miss Fitch. And you have accomplished a great deal this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yes, sir. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I try not to. Uh, Procrastination is the thief of time. Uh, There's a letter here. Time and tide wait for no man. This woman wrote in two weeks ago. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost, Miss Fitch. (laughs) Action, that's the thing, action. (laughs) Mr. Gildersleeve, are you going to answer this woman's letter? What does she want? Action. (laughs) Well, uh, let's see the letter. She says she wrote in two weeks ago and never got an answer. Oh, oh, yes, I remember this. Uh, Take an answer. Uh, Dear Madam... In reply to your recent letter regarding a kneel in your bathtub, (laughs) we wish to thank you for calling this to our attention. After a thorough investigation of the matter, we wish to report that it would have been impossible for the said eel to have gained access to your tub through the faucet. As all our water is carefully filtered, and furthermore, standard plumbing fixtures are too small to accommodate a kneel of the dimensions you describe. (laughs) We can only suggest that the creature either crawled up the drain... In which event your attorney should get in touch with the Department of Public Works, not us. Or possibly it was placed in your tub by an enemy. While it's out of our department, we'd suggest that a stopper kept in the tub at all times should prove an effective precaution against eels in the future. (laughs) Failing which, we'd advise a closer check on your friends. (laughs) Very truly yours, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, Water Commissioner. 
You got that? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. That ought to hold her. What's next? Well, I don't know whether you want to do anything about this. Let's have it. Action, Miss Fitch. Let's clear the decks here. Uh, very well. This it's... is no time for bottlenecks. Uh, no. Uh, this You'll is... notice that in every photograph of Donald Nelson, <laughs> there's not a single paper on Donald Nelson's desk. That's the only way to be an executive. Do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. Come, come, come. What have you got there? A six-month reminder from your dentist. Yeah. <laughs> well, suppose you put that in the deferred file. That's where it came from. <laughs> You're a hard woman, Miss Fitch. <laughs> All right, call up the dentist and make an appointment for Monday. Good. For Leroy. <laughs> Come on, let's get on here. Time's wasting. Hey, have you got the application for my B gas ration? Yes, it's right here. Oh, I must remember to get that in this afternoon. It's all filled out. All you have to do is sign it. I better check it over. Let's see here. It says, uh, occupational use of the vehicle. If vehicle is used for driving between home and fixed place of work, in the principal occupation as stated in items four and six above, answer all questions in part A below. <laughs> if vehicle is used in the performance of the principal occupation stated in items four and six above, Oh, brother, I'll take your word for it, Miss Fitch. <laughs> oh, um, you also have to get the signatures of any person sharing the ride with you. Oh, well, Judge Hooker is my share of the rider, but he isn't speaking to me. He can darn well sign, though. I understand very few people are going to get the B rations. Oh, I'll get one, all right. After all, I'm a city official. I have to do a lot of official driving. I'm entitled to one if anybody is. Yes, but uh, have you heard who's head of the ration board now? It, it doesn't make any difference. Who? Judge Hooker. Mm, Judge Hooker. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If Hooker will find some technicality. He'll block it if he has to stage a filibuster. Maybe I'd better invite the old goat to Thanksgiving dinner after all. That might soften him up a little. Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. He couldn't accept a man's hospitality and then trick him out of his B card, could he? I don't recall that the application form covers that. No, I didn't think so. Quiet. Here comes the old sourball now. Well, hello there, Judge. <laughs> and does the bus leave, Gildersleeve? Yeah, the bus leaves whenever you're ready, Judgey. I'm ready now. Be right with you. Can't keep a customer waiting, can we, Miss Fitch? I'll get my hat and coat. Mr. Gildersleeve, uh, you're not forgetting. Forget uh... you. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, while you're waiting, Judge, Miss Fitch has an application blank there that requires your signature. Uh, a mere formality, you know. What's this? Uh, just to show that I'm sharing my car with you. Oh, so you're applying for a B-ration book, huh? Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Give the judge a pen, Miss Fitch. Here, oh, use mine. It's a self-filler. I think you'll like it. There, that's it. There you are. Thank you, Judge. Well, see you Monday, Miss Fitch. Oh, uh, by the way, Horace, I meant to ask you before... I hope you'll give us the pleasure of dining with us as usual on Thursday. Mm, I thought you'd forgotten all about Thanksgiving. Not at all. Thanksgiving wouldn't be Thanksgiving without you, Horace. <laughs> you know that. Stand still, Leroy, now while I fit this. I feel like a sissy in this fool outfit. This is the kind of clothes the pilgrims wore. And they were no sissies. Yeah, but they didn't have to wear them in front of a whole auditorium full of people. Stand still, will you, before I jab you with this pin. Courtship of mild standards. Why don't you speak for yourself, John? Yeah. Oh! I told you you'd get stuck. 
No. <laughs> I think you're going to look real cute when I get this down. That's just what I'm afraid of. That's what the whole school is going to think. Leroy, will you stand still? <laughs> it wouldn't have been so bad if I was Miles Standish. I'd get to wear a helmet. But John Alden, that panty waist. I'm lucky the teacher didn't make me play Priscilla. <laughs> I don't see why you feel that way. John Alden is a hero. Remember, it's John Alden who gets the girl. Yeah, Ethel Hammerschlag, he can have her. <laughs> hello, Uncle Mort. Well, hello, Marjorie. And Leroy. Hello. Well, look at our little pilgrim. Hey, Marge, can't I take this off now? No, wait till I get it pinned. You know your lines yet, young man? Some of them. Well, it's about time. You've been rehearsing that part for a month. I've been trying to get out of this for a month. That's no attitude to take. The courtship of Miles Standish is great literature. I studied it in school myself. I remember it to this very day. Uh, this is the forest primeval, the murmuring pines and the hills. That's Evangeline, Uncle Mort. Eva well, that's good, too. <laughs> Uh, let's hear you recite that speech you were having trouble with last night, Leroy. No, I don't want it. Come on now, I want to see if you've learned it. Oh, some other time, Uncle. No, right now. I'd like to hear it. We both would. Wouldn't we, Marjorie? We'd love to. No, I won't do it. Not if she's going to listen. Young man, you'll recite that speech or you'll go right upstairs to your room. Okay. <laughs> we're waiting. Let's see. Uh, um... Pretty Mistress Priscilla, turn out of that field of the suit of one who the last and yet, uh, yet, uh... Yet loves thee with a noble and undying passion. Go back and try it again. Do I have to? Yes. If you don't keep at it, you'll never learn the part. If I don't learn the part, maybe we won't have to do it. <laughs> you'll do it or I'll know the reason why. Come on now, once more. Pretty Mistress Priscilla... Pretty Mistress... I can't say it. You're not trying. <laughs> Pretty Mistress Priscilla... <laughs> How you got me doing it? <laughs> oh, Bertie, I want to talk to you. Leroy, you go up to your room and practice. John, old Miles Standish, anyway. Uh, quiet, you. <laughs> Bertie, I've invited Judge Hooker to Thanksgiving dinner. So that'll mean one more. That'll mean five more. If what? Yes, I hope you don't mind, Uncle Mort. I invited four of the boys from Camp Fuller. Oh, well, fine. The more, the merrier. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving unless there are plenty around to enjoy the turkey. Uh, speaking of turkey, Mr. Gilfleet. Uh, yes, Bertie? You wouldn't want to buy a chance on one, would you, I don't suppose? Uh, what do you mean, Bertie? Well, the ladies at my church is holding a turkey raffle. Again? If, all right, I'll buy a chance. How much are they? Twenty-five cents. That's for one. One chance. There you are. There's a quarter. Thank you. Most everybody around here has bought one from me. All the neighbors. Well, you're doing fine. Of course it. You used to buy two chances, it stands to reason you'd have twice as good a chance as they have. Yeah. <laughs> no getting around that, Bertie. All right, I'll take two. Mr. Gillsleeve, you're making no mistake. Turkey's awfully expensive this year. Yes, I know, Bertie. Forty-eight cents a pound at day one grocery. Oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so if even you used to buy three chances, you'd still be ahead. <laughs> Sold, Bertie. Make it three. Yes, sir. Let's see now, how many is it going to be for dinner? Well, there's Marjorie and Leroy and Judge Hooker and Mrs. Ransom and the four soldiers and you, Bertie, that makes nine. And you, that makes twelve. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. That's going to take a big turkey. Well, maybe we should order one right away and ask him to hold it for us. Well, let's wait and see how this raffle comes out first, Marjorie. We don't want to be stuck with two turkeys, you know. Of course, they've sold quite a lot of chances on it. You've only got three. <laughs> uh, Bertie, if you can guarantee I'll get the turkey, I'll take five chances. Well, I can't promise nothing. But my cousin's doing the drawing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take five. 
Well, that'd be a dollar and a quarter. That's right. Well, here's another dollar. That's quite a lot of money. Yes, it is. A dollar and a quarter will buy a lot of things. Don't I know it. You wouldn't like to take a couple more chances just to protect your investment. <laughs> you get out of here, Bertie, before you ruin me. I gotta get down to the ration board. That crowd. It, pardon me. It, could somebody tell me whether this is where you get B ration books? No, this is where you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, wise guy. And madam, would you mind? You can't shove in here. I'm not trying to shove in. Right, end of the line. End of the line. I've been waiting here since two o'clock, and you come trying to shove in. Yeah, madam, I was merely trying to ask a civil question. Oh, right, end of the line, yeah. bud. Just a minute. Who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Well, who do you think you're pushing? Why, George, if you weren't wearing glasses... Well, I'll take them off. There. You look worse. Put them back on. <laughs> yeah, what's the fuss here? What's the fuss? He tried to shove in ahead of me. I did not. He did, too, and he squeezed my hand. Oh! <laughs> now, look here, my good woman. We'll have to ask for order here, my friend. Why don't you just take your place in the line? I'm trying to find out whether this is the right line. I've come for my B ration book. Oh, you've come for it, huh? Yes. I have my application right here. Uh, you and a hundred million others. What? <laughs> Young man, evidently you don't know who I am. I happen to be Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, and I have to do a lot of driving. Where to? Well, out to the reservoir. To the reservoir? What for? See if there's anything in it. Yeah? <laughs> Listen, brother, if we gave a ration book to everybody who wants to drive out to the reservoir for a little necking in the moonlight... I don't do any necking in the moonlight. Oh, you like it in the dark. Yeah. No! <laughs> and I didn't come here to be insulted by underlings. End of the line, bud. Yes, end of the line. End of the line. Oh, shut up! <laughs> oh, judge. I want you to tell this young whippersnapper here where I get where he gets off. Well, now, Gildy. He has the nerve to tell me I'm not entitled to a B ration book. Well, he may be right, Gildy. You're only sharing the ride with one person. You can't throw those technicalities at me, Hooker. You're the share, my rider. You signed this application yourself. I know that, Gildy. As a share of the rider, I'd be delighted to see you get your ration book. But as a ration official, I couldn't possibly pass this application. My conscience wouldn't allow it. All right, Judge. As a ration official, you needn't bother to come to Thanksgiving dinner. And as a share of the rider, from now on, you can walk. I'm the line. Oh, you can have your own line. <laughs> the Great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just a few seconds. If you're troubled with a food budget that's hard to keep in line these days, just remember this. There are any number of wholesome, good-tasting, nutritious foods that can help you keep your food budget down. Now, one such food, surely, is parquet margarine, Kraft's delicious spread for bread, because it's good-tasting, economical, and nutritious. Parquet margarine's flavor is something pretty special. Thousands know it as the margarine that tastes so deliciously good. And just as important... Parquet margarine is an economical source of food elements that your family needs. Yes, wholesome, nourishing parquet margarine is one of the best energy foods you can serve. And year-round, every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. Yes, it's wise to economize with parquet margarine. It's delicious, nutritious, and thrifty. 
So buy Parquet margarine tomorrow. Just ask your food dealer for Parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet, the margarine that's made by Kraft. Back to Summerfield of the Great Gildersleeve. Apparently, he'll get no more gas than the rest of us, but uh, what about Turkey? It's Tuesday afternoon now, only two days before Thanksgiving. And we find our hero checking last-minute details with Marjorie. What about those four soldiers, my dear? Are you sure they're coming? Oh, yes. I had a note this morning from their commanding officer. They'll arrive at 12 o'clock sharp in a jeep. A jeep? Mm-hmm. Oh, brother, what an appetite they'll have. <laughs> I'll have to run around the house a couple of times to get myself up to concert pitch. Can't let the boys show me up at my own table. I don't think you need to worry about that, Uncle Mort. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we're all set. Soldiers accepted. Hooker canceled. Mrs. Ransom. Uh, Mrs. Ransom's coming, isn't she? You invited her, didn't you? No, I thought you'd take care of that. You're the lady of the house. Oh, but I thought you'd want to. Oh, dear. And I went over there this morning to borrow a roasting pan for the turkey and never said a word about it. Uh. What must... What must she think? Oh, this is terrible. This is awful. I'll run over there right now. Sir was right. She's made other plans. A fine thing. Borrow a woman's roaster and not invite her to dinner. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Eh, Leela, I've come to explain. I don't know what there is to explain, I'm sure. May I come in? Well, I'm rather busy. Just for a moment. Well... Leela, of course you're coming to Thanksgiving dinner Thursday. Well, I'm hardly in the habit of going to places to which I've not been invited, Mr. Gildersleeve. But you are invited. You've been invited all along. There was a mix-up, that's all. I thought Marjorie had asked you, and Marjorie thought I had. How do I know? How do I know you're not just inviting me for my roasting pan? <laughs> Leela, when I thought of inviting you, nothing was further from my mind than a roasting pan. Oh, you say those things, but you don't mean them. It's the truth. You were the first one on my list, Leela. Was I, Throckmorton? Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> oh, but I'm afraid I couldn't accept it this late date. You see, I've had all these other invitations. Oh. If I turn them down now, I know they'd be heartbroken, much as I'd like to have dinner with you. We're having a 20-pound turkey. I love turkey, but I'm afraid I can't. I'll save you the white meat. No, don't tempt me now. I'll save you the wishbone. We can make a wish on it. What would you wish, Throckmorton? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not supposed to tell you. Well, I don't know that I could trust you with a wishbone. And... And anyway, I've promised these other people. But you've got to come, Leela. Marjorie and Leroy will be terribly disappointed if you don't. And so will I. So will Bertie. And so will the Army. The Army? Yes, we're having four young lieutenants to dinner, too. Throckmorton, why in the world didn't you say so? You mean you'll come? Will I? You're too good to me, Leela. <laughs> She's coming with bells on. I wouldn't put it past her. Huh? Uncle Mort, 
Can I borrow your shotgun? No, Leroy, certainly not. Why? I'm supposed to bring a gun to school tomorrow. What kind of a school are they running? A reform school? <laughs> no, Miles Standish has got to have a blunderbuss. A blunderbuss. Here's your building suit, Leroy. I pressed the collar, so don't mess it up. Oh, put it on, Leroy, and show Uncle Mort how nice it looks, not finished. Oh, no. Go ahead. You look real nice in it. I look like a sissy in it. You look better than you do in that Mickey Mouse sweatshirt you wear all the time. Yeah, and cleaner, too. <laughs> put on the pilgrim suit, Leroy. Oh, um... Your sister worked hard on it. Won't do you any harm to put it on once. Go ahead. Okay. I'd like to meet that guy Longfellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bertie, you think we're going to have enough turkey for all these people Thursday? I don't know, Miss Gilsley. Let's see now. We've got four soldiers, and the four of us here, and Mrs. Ransom. What about Judge Hooker? Judge Hooker is an ungrateful old goat. Never mention his name in this house. Excuse me. I didn't know it was like that again. <laughs> There'll be eight of us at dinner. And you know the way soldiers eat. You think we ought to figure on two turkeys? I don't know, Mr. Gillsleeve. I don't know what we ought to do. What's the matter, Bertie? You seem to be sort of dragging today. <coughs> I don't know. I don't guess I feel so good. Out a little late last night? No, sir. No later than usual. I just got a feeling, that's all. What kind of a feeling? Like things wasn't going to work out somehow. Oh, well, don't let it get you down. Uh, by the way, when are they going to raffle off that turkey I bought all those chances on? Yes, we can't wait much longer to find out about that. Thanksgiving's only two days off. I was thinking, Mr. Gillsleeve, how would it be if we had a nice ham instead of a turkey? <laughs> Bertie, are you hiding something from us? No, sir, I ain't hiding nothing. Except they had that raffle last night. Oh. You came close, Mr. Gillsleeve. You came mighty close. The winning number was 61, and you had 62. <laughs> but it still leaves us without a turkey. Well, sort of. Oh, well, if you gamble, you have to expect those things. Well, we better order a turkey right away, though. Yes, we can't invite all those soldiers to come 20 miles for Thanksgiving dinner and have no Thanksgiving dinner. Well, I'll go call up the market and reserve one. That's just a trouble. What do you mean? I called up the market, and all the turkeys is reserved. You mean they won't sell us one? Butcher says there ain't a turkey left in Summerfield. I don't know what's the matter. Last week, no pot roast. This week, no turkey. <laughs> We've got to have a turkey. We've invited all these soldiers. We've invited Mrs. Ransom. We've got to find one. But where? Don't ask me. All right, Unc. How do you like it? Like what? The pilgrim suit. Oh, forget the pilgrim suit. We just lost our turkey. No turkey? No turkey. How do you like that? Well, it looks like we'll all wind up eating turkey sandwiches at the drugstore. Yes. Some Thanksgiving. The drugstore. Maybe Peavy's got a turkey. Hold everything, kids. I'll be right back. I'm going to the drugstore. <laughs> Peavy, uh, you've got to help me out. Well, I'm always glad to do a customer service. Good. Have you got a turkey? Uh, what was that again? Have you got a turkey? A turkey? Well, now, I've had people come in here and ask for some strange things, but this is the first time I've ever had a request for a turkey. It is, but never mind that. Have you got one? No, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, turkeys are one thing that I don't carry. I'm sorry. Uh, have you tried to meet market? Of course I've tried to meet market. Why do you think I came in here? Yeah, I wonder. Now, just a minute, Peavy. You serve turkey sandwiches at your soda fountain, don't you? Yes, we do serve a turkey sandwich. You can't make a turkey sandwich without a turkey, can you? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
In other words, Peavy, your turkey sandwich is not a turkey sandwich. Well, turkey sandwich has become a sort of a trade expression. Although we serve it with genuine cranberry jelly on the side. <laughs> but suppose you don't care for cranberry jelly. Well, then you just ask for the regular chicken sandwich. Yes, sir. Peavy, I'm surprised at you. I don't know how you can sleep nights. I did used to have a little trouble, but I just take a cup of hot cocoa before going to bed now, and I find that sets me right. So does Mrs. Peavy. <laughs> well, this isn't finding a turkey. i got to get going. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. Have a nice Thanksgiving. And same to you. Don't drink too much cocoa, and don't let Mrs. Peavy... <laughs> Uh, not a bit, my dear. I've been everywhere. It's no use. The Army's picked the place clean. There's not a single turkey left. Maybe I should warn those boys at camp. They'll do better if they stay there. Yes. Wait. There's just one chance left. What's that? If we can find out who won the turkey in Bertie's raffle, we might be able to buy it from him. Yes, Bertie! Yes, Mr. Gilsley? Would you mind coming in here? Yes, sir. Bertie, do you know who won that turkey in your raffle? Uh, no, sir. Hmm. Do you think you could find out? Well, sir, I might be able to. Then again, I might not. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, if I still find out who won, you might not like it. Come clean, Bertie. What bush are you beating about now? You know who won the turkey? Uh, yes. Well, why didn't you say so? Who is it? Well, you said never to mention Judge Hooker's name. Oh! <laughs> I told you you wasn't going to like it. Well, there goes our only chance. But Uncle Moore, don't you think Judge Hooker would be willing to let you have it? After what I told him down at the ration board? No, my dear, I really gave him a piece of my mind there. But if you took it all back and invited him to dinner again... When he's got the turkey, he'd just laugh at me. He'd... he'd... Uh... Wait a minute, uh, Bertie. Yeah? Does Judge Hooker know yet that he's won the turkey? No, sir. I'm supposed to deliver it to him this evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, folks. I got to see a judge about a bird. <laughs> I've come to ask your forgiveness. You've come to the wrong place, Gildersleeve. That's a cruel attitude, Judge, but I don't blame you for taking it. You behave like a boor, Gildersleeve. You're right, a big boor. In front of a whole lot of people, too. Yeah. I could kick myself when I think of it. Well, you all fly off the handle sometimes. There was no excuse for it, doing a thing like that to my old friend. Well, Gildy, of course. Horace, you may think me a sentimental old fool, but we've been pals for a good many years now, haven't we? Uh... Off and on. <laughs> yes, Gildy, we have. Off and on. Yes. <laughs> and we've always had Thanksgiving dinner together, haven't we? Yeah, I guess that's right. Well, I want you to have it with us again this year. You really mean that? Horace, I've said it before, and I mean it now more than ever. If you don't come to Thanksgiving dinner, it just won't be Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> certainly be delighted to come. Good. Don't forget now. I won't. We'll be counting on you. I'll be there. What time would you like to have me come? Oh, come early, Judge. Uh, come about nine o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock? <laughs> yeah. And when you come, would you mind bringing that turkey you won in the raffle, Judge? <laughs>
Matilda. I've got to be going. But it's been a mighty pleasant day. Oh, stick around, Judge. The evening's young yet. No, I've got to get an early start in the morning. But I don't know when I've had a finer Thanksgiving. Well, it was your turkey, Judge. Well, I share my turkey, you share your car. That's the spirit today. Yeah, and the good spirit, too. It brings people together, Judge. Yes, it does, Gildy. I'm sorry we had that misunderstanding down at the ration board. As a matter of fact, you're probably entitled to a B ration. You use your car for official business. Well, I don't want a B book. What? No, I've been thinking about it, Horace. It seems to me the spirit of rationing is to get along with as little as you can, instead of grabbing all you can get. You're absolutely right, Gildy. And I'm glad to hear you say it. You're a credit to the community. Well, thank you, Horace. And you may rest assured that even though I only, I've only a humble A ration, my car will still be at your service at all times. You mean that, Gildy? I do, indeed. That's fine. I've got to meet a train at Moore's Junction at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good night, Gildy. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> program was composed and conducted by Billy Mills. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Ladies, when you want to make good macaroni and cheese, get a package of Kraft Dinner. This wonderful product is really an answer to a housewife's prayer for an easy and quick-to-make main dish. It takes only seven minutes cooking time to fix delicious macaroni and cheese with Kraft Dinner. Put the macaroni that's in the package into boiling water and cook rapidly for seven minutes. In just that short time, you have fluffy, tender macaroni all ready for the cheese goodness. So you take the package of Kraft Grated, which comes with Kraft Dinner, and sprinkle it on the macaroni stirring the delicious cheese flavor through and through. That's all there is to it. Your macaroni and cheese is ready to be served. And once you've prepared it this way, you'll never want to go back to the old-fashioned way of baking it. Not when Kraft Dinner gives you such tempting macaroni and cheese in just seven minutes. Why not try it tomorrow? Just ask your dealer for a package of Kraft Dinner. It's so convenient, so economical, and so good. This program reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. This is KSVY, and that was the Golden Age of Radio from November 1942 over NBC. The Great Gildersleeve, starring Mr. Hal Perry. <laughs> and, of course, Verna Felton as his secretary, a lady that was in radio for many years and also in motion pictures. She was in Picnic, if you recall, as the neighbor to Betty Fields and Kim Novak and Susan Strasberg. And she was also Dennis Day's mother on the old Jack Benny radio show. I think Walter Tentley, as uh, the son there, was on the uh, program as well. And Lillian Randolph, a mainstay of the show until its final ending and on TV, Birdie. That was Lillian Randolph, who can be seen in the film It's a Wonderful Life. Anyway, this is Jeff Gilbert here inviting you for another hour of mirth and merriment here in the studio off the main studios of KSVY, where we are sponsored by El Segundo. And now the El Segundo Fishwives Choir. KSVY Sonoma.
That's the name of that tune. Benny Goodman and his trio featuring Teddy Wilson and Mr. Gene Krupa, who was on the drums. Teddy Wilson, of course, on the piano. This is Jeff's Joint in our second hour, exploring a little bit of Benny Goodman here in our first few minutes of the uh, final moments of our show. We'll uh, have a few more surprises as we go, but this is Benny Goodman right now on our turntable. It's a little tricky here because we have a 1933 Capard phonograph, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but we're awfully glad to have it. And the password, as always, to join the young old-timers here in Jeff's Joint is always Swordfish. So we're glad that you're with us, and we hope you'll stay with us. But right now, here's a tune I believe that was written by Mr. Victor Young, Sweet Sue, Just You, BG, along with Lionel Hampton.
know why I've been so blue I prayed each night for someone Exactly like you Now why should we spend money On a show or two No one does those love scenes Exactly like you You make me feel so grand I want to hand the world to you And you seem to understand Each foolish little dream I'm dreaming Scheme I'm scheming I know why my mother Taught me to be true She met me for someone Oh, exactly like you Yeah, swing it, did you? Swing it, yeah, yeah by Benny Goodman and his quartet. Lionel Hampton featured on the vocal there of Exactly Like You and featured on all four with his great vibes. T for Two, Irving Caesar's big hit, Melancholy Baby, and we opened up with Sweet Sue, Just You, the Benny Goodman Quartet. Sometimes it's Teddy Wilson on the piano and sometimes it's Jess Stacy, and I believe those last two were Jess Stacy just by the sound of that piano. What a great pianist he was. A great sound from the all recorded between around 1936 and 1938 at the Victor Studios in New York City. Well, here's another band that was famous for their vibes. Mr. Red Norvo, one of the great vibe players who did his time with Benny Goodman as well. Here he is in the around 1937 on the Brunswick label with his wife at the time, and they were known as Mr. and Mrs. Swing. Mildred Bailey, along with Mr. Red Norvo and his orchestra. So help me, yowza. So help me, may I never see the moon on high. May I never see the stars close by. So help me if I don't love you.
never see the side of you And without you what am I to do So help me if you don't love me
could hear what's in my heart. Must I have sleepless nights and endless days? Oh, love, why did you leave my soul without a spark? I'm in the dark. Mr. and Mrs. Swing, as they were known in 1936 to about 1939, Mildred Bailey and Mr. Red Norvo and his orchestra, featuring his great vibes. Bewildered, and we also heard Says My Heart, which came out of a film called Coconut Grove that starred Fred McMurray as a band leader, and young Harriet Hilliard was his vocalist in that band, who became Ozzie Nelson's wife, Harriet. And before that, we heard So Help Me, a Jimmy Van Heusen special, all Mildred Bailey with Mr. Red Norvo on the Brunswick label. Now let's go over to the Brunswick label studios in uh, California, where Lud Gluskin and his Continental Orchestra are recording with Mr. Buddy Clark, the fine vocalist who lost his life way too young back in 1949 in a plane crash. Here he is with a tune. That was uh, from a Bobby Breen movie, if anybody out there remembers little Bobby Breen. A little tune called Rainbow on the River from the movie of the same name that starred Bobby Breen. And I think Henry Armetta.
you'll enjoy each minute, I'll declare, while we're on the air. You can see all your cares won't mean a single thing. You'll be just as happy as a king all the while you stay. That makes no difference to me Just begin to write in We're like a big family On the air Greetings everybody everywhere Just a little happiness we'll share While we're on the air Cuts by Mr. Lud Gluskin and his Continental Orchestra, featuring vocalist Buddy Clark on On the Air, Sunshine at Midnight, and Rainbow on the River, which was introduced by Bobby Breen in the movie of the same name. What a great-sounding voice Buddy Clark had, who gave us Linda, Baby, It's Cold Outside, a lot of hits before he passed away, unfortunately, in 1949. Way too young just beginning on his great career after freelancing with many orchestras. His recordings still come up, and there's stuff out there that people don't know that he recorded that's still coming up today. It's great to find that stuff, I'll tell you that. Anyway, this is Jeff's Joint, and we are kind of in the collector's corner before we get off the air here at 1 o'clock, or a little bit before, and make room for the French touch. Ooh. And we have three up now by Mr. Ozzie Nelson and his orchestra. This one is I Wished on the Moon that came out of that great film, The Big Broadcast of 1936. I'm, I'm sorry, you're here. Yes, I'm here. After hearing that you were mentioning The Big Broadcast of 1936, that also starred Jack Oakey. Jack Oakey was in every movie. Well, that's not, that's not true. He worked at Paramount, and then he worked at 20th Century Fox, where he cranked out many a great film on crank. No, no, he wasn't on crank. No, but he had a crank in his hand that he used to carry for a Victrola. You may remember Jack Oakey in another film called uh, The Wonderful uh, Song of the Islands. That was vi with Victor Mature. Now, you may remember Victor Mature from The Robe. That was also with Susan Hayward. Now, you may remember Gene Peters or Susan Hayward. I can't remember who's in those films where they're biblical characters. Well, you should. Yes, I should, but I've been gone for a while. And I've also been sick. What, what do you have? A week back. How long have you had it? Oh, about a week back. All right, I wish we had a drum set in here, but we do not. Go ahead, continue. Well, you screwed up my rhythm. I'll get back to you on that, Stan. I'm not Stan. You never will be. <laughs> ¶¶ 
something I never knew Wished on the moon For more than I ever knew A sweeter rose A softer sky An April day That would not dance away Begged of a star to throw me a beam or two. Wished on a star and asked for a dream or two. I looked for every loveliness, it all came true. I wished on the moon for. You're charming, darling, you're perfect And then some You've got me dazzled and frantic Excited, romantic And then some I used to think I was cold as could be But I'll agree The joke is on me Quick as a wink I knew I had it bad If love can drive you crazy, then I wanna go mad, I wanna go mad. I'll kiss you, caress you, spoil you, and yes you. And then some, I'll be your shadow, your slavey, your army and navy. And then some, I cross my heart, I'll be yours from tonight. 
You've got me right under your thumb Cause you're gorgeous, you're charming Darling, you're perfect And then some Back on that saxophone sneaking in at the last minute. That was Ozzie Nelson and his orchestra and on vocals of And Then Some and I Wished on the Moon, which came out of the film The Paramount Extravaganza of 1935, the big broadcast of 1936, always coming out a year ahead of time like new cars. Well, this is Jeff's Joint, and my guest, of course, who just dropped in was former President Ronald Reagan of the Screen Actors Guild and etc., etc., Yes, thank you for that. I love listening to Ozzie Nelson. He is one of my favorites. But you may remember Yvonne King. I do, of the King Sisters. Yes, the King Sisters were with Horace Height. You may remember Horace Height in a film called Pot of Gold. That was also with Art Carney. He was in Harry and Tonto. Yes, he was. And we just happened to have up on the turntable the King Sisters with Horace Height and his musical nights right here on KSVY 91.3 FM. Thank you. 
And there you have the four King sisters when they were with Horace Height and his musical nights way before Alvino Ray in 1938 with Who Do You Think I Saw Last Night? Here's another one by the great King sisters that came out of a film called Sally, Irene, and Mary, a tune that's pretty much long forgotten, but I'll never forget it, and neither will Tony Martin, the great singer who introduced it in the film, along with his wife at the time, the lovely, oh my God, the lovely Alice Faye. If we could just get this turntable to work right here, we'd be in... We'd be in camphor. Anyway, this is Jeff's Joint, and we're getting ready to get out of here. But here it is, the Half Moon on the Hudson. So we hope you'll enjoy the Half Moon on the Hudson. We don't know how you'll take that. It's Half Moon on the Hudson with the Four Kings singing. December 22nd, 1937, Walter Bullock and Harold Spina's song, Half Moon on the Hudson, Horace Height and his Musical Nights, 
featuring the four kings, the King's sisters who we all came to know and love in the 1960s on TV with the King Family TV shows. Well, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to KSVY. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, right here in the studio off the main studios of KSVY with the young old-timers and etc. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Until that time, keep your sunny side up, and please try to do it with your pants on.